As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. J Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gibbs Alexander and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. Welcome to a special edition of Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, special guest, Mayor David Holtz. He's the mayor of Oklahoma City, and he's here to talk about this new arena. Mayor Holtz, how's it going? It's going great, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Are you, do you, can you now go around and say you're a New York Times reporter? Is that, is that? <laughs> Is that work? That's that's what I try to tell everybody. Hey, I just work for the Times. It's no big deal, you know. <laughs> um, so I wanted to bring you in because you had this, your State of the City address, and the big topic was this potential new arena. And honestly, you should go listen to that. You can go find it on YouTube. You just if you just search Mayor David Holt, you'll find the video, and it's it's very engaging. I thought you did a great job. I thought it was fascinating just listening to the history overall of just like arenas in Oklahoma City and how cool it was that it's been like, it takes 30 years before people are ready for, okay, now it's time for a new one. And that's kind of where we're at. Uh, any Anything that you'd want to touch on just from just the history of arenas in yeah. Oklahoma? Yeah, well, uh, I'm, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Second of all, um, I definitely would love for people to watch the source material. And as you said, I don't think it's boring. And uh, it's really it's not. The, the, yeah. it's, it's a 53 minute speech, but if you want to fast forward to about the middle of it is when you'll get to the arena section and it's kind of the last 20 or 30 minutes. Um, and, you know, I would, I would argue it's the, it's the most comprehensive argument anyone's ever made for a new arena yeah. in, a, in a city like ours. <laughs> And, um, and, you know, anyone who ever claims like this hasn't been discussed enough or I haven't heard the rationale. I mean, I spoke for 30 minutes straight. Like there have been 
um, you know, like wars that have had less justification than than what I did in that state of the city address. So I I certainly hope people might take a take a little bit of time and you can you know listen to it like a podcast. But um, but yes, to the, to your to your most specific point, I wanted to frame it and help people understand that we've been doing this for a long time, and we did it long before we had a major league professional sports team. And we made these investments in arenas for for basically 100 years because the arena is sort of the centerpiece of your quality of life infrastructure. Um, You know, you think of all the things in Oklahoma City that we've built over the last 30 years, whether they're convention centers and ballparks um, and renovations to our, you know, to our, our civic center. But it all just sort of revolves around the arena. The arena is the thing more than any other structure that defines your brand, uh, defines sort of your own view of your city because it's the thing that hosts the people and groups that that kind of make this feel like a real city. And then obviously in the last 15 years, it has been our vehicle for hosting a major league professional sports team, which is a whole nother thing we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, in 1927, our voters approved Municipal Auditorium. Today it's the Civic Center Music Hall, but in 1937 when it opened, it was our basketball arena. Hmm. And we used to have, we've had some really historic moments. I told the whole story about Bill Russell basically yep. being, you know, indirectly scouted by Red Auerbach to the Celtics by because of what he did at, at our civic center in, in Oklahoma City in, in the 1950s. Yeah. But it was only, um, you know, about 30 years later, 1962, that our voters decided they needed to take another step forward. And that's when they approved what ultimately became the Myriad. And that opened in 1972. And by the way, there's another part of the story that's interesting, you know, like every every time we approve these, it's like another decade till they open, right? Yeah, so it takes sure. important planning, you know, in advance to, uh, to stay ahead of the curve. So the Myriad opens in 1972 is fully our, you know, major concert venue for pop, for pop artists and, and the list of people who played there is amazing. Um, and it's our basketball arena. It hosted an ABA game in its first week, a regular season ABA game. And of course, it opened the cow, uh, hosted the Cavs, yeah. and it hosted, um, you know, exhibition NBA games all, all into the 90s. But it was only 21 years after its opening that the voters approved another new arena, and that became the Ford Center. And that was approved in 1993. Um, and then it opened in 2002. And that was 21 years ago. But if you look at like the cadence of how often we approve them, it is almost like clockwork that we do it every 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it's been 30 years this year since the approval of our last arena. So again, set the thunder completely aside and just say like, what about Oklahoma City's history? Or what about our momentum today would tell you that we should just stop. We should just, after a hundred years of doing that, <laughs> why would we just stop now? Especially yeah. when so much is at stake. So um yeah, thank you for bringing that up because I really I felt like people left the room going, "Oh wow, like, you know, thank you for sort of putting it in context. I get yeah. so fixated on the thunder issue and I sort of forget that a good city builds new arenas, like and we've always done that because it was good for us and it's still good for us." So, anyways, yeah, that's kind of the history of that issue. Yeah, also if we want like the top tier premium artists to come to Oklahoma City as well, like there just needs to yeah. be a better arena. Like the sound needs to be better. A lot of a lot of artists will say, well, I'd rather be in Tulsa at the BOK just because we like it the way that it sounds or they have, it's, it's just newer and it's better for us to perform there than it is 
at the Paycom. So like, there's there's just a, a lot of reasons, like you said, outside of the Thunder itself, with still the Thunder being the main reason. But there's a lot of other reasons why you would want a new, more modern arena. Yeah, a lot of the deficiencies that I point to regarding the NBA uh, as per our new arena, or sorry, our current arena, um, are just as salient in the concert industry. And the concert industry is just as unforgiving and hyper-competitive as the NBA yep. and Major League Professional Sports. So, yeah, no, if we don't if we don't build a new arena, I mean, we're already sort of just making it by on, on grit at this point. Um, but, yeah, if we don't invest in a new arena – it's a it's a tough fight that we're in with Tulsa and Wichita and Little Rock and you know the the regional cities that we compete with uh, for concerts and we will begin to to lose those battles more and more and more and we'll eventually sort of drop out of the major concert um, circuit as well. Mm-hmm. So in your address, you said that the hypothetical new arena is something that patrons could stand back and marvel at. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, I think that this doesn't have to feel like a burden and an obligation. It's also a really fun opportunity for our generation to leave a legacy in the city and to really raise the bar for public spaces. Um, you know, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about what it means to the to the users of the venue, including the audience, but also the the teams and the and the concert promoters and how it's going to be good for everybody. Um, but also. You know, I've made the point that like people who have been to other modern NBA arenas are usually some of our biggest um, advocates because you really like need about 30 seconds standing in front of a modern NBA arena to immediately understand what I'm talking about. Like I can give you all this data about square footage and all this and age and cost and all this, but there is also just sort of this eye test. And if you walk and stand in front of the Chase Center in San Francisco or Barclays in Brooklyn mm-hmm. or even the renovated um, Suns Arena in Phoenix, I mean, you just get it immediately. I mean, yeah. they're just amazing buildings. They dwarf our building in every way, right? And so I think the the sense of pride that people felt when they saw Scissor Tail Park and they realized, you know what? We like have a real park. Like we have a park that's truly on par um, with any great American urban park. And the sense of pride they saw when they when the convention center opened and they go, yeah, look at that. Like we didn't used to build stuff like that. That is a that's an architectural statement. You know, that's what they're going to feel with this arena, with the kind of ambition that we have here and the aspiration that we have here. Um, We're going to have an upper echelon NBA arena, an upper echelon concert venue. Um, And we're also going to, I think, be really thoughtful about it. We've all articulated that in the process and the team has got a great track record with that. We all want the arena to speak to our unique history and our unique culture. And so um, that's a process that would occur certainly after the commitment is made. But um, but I think we all are really committed to to a process that really brings in um, a lot of a lot of elements and it doesn't feel cookie cutter. You know, Um, I think that when when this is all designed and unveiled, people are really going to see Oklahoma City in that building. And I think just the scale of it and the architectural aspiration of it will be something that we'll marvel at, as you said, um, and uh, and that we will be proud of um, in a way we've never we've never gotten experience before. Yeah. And so is the is the idea to put this new arena and this may not be finalized yet where Prairie Surf is currently. 
We just, yeah, we just don't have a site. And as it, you know, as it turns out, we've not actually cited any of our major public venues over the last 30 years before the commitment is made. Cause that's, okay. that's kind of just a, a longer process. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've repeatedly said I'm committed to it being downtown and maybe people take that for granted, but that's been a thing in other communities. So I feel like it's worth mentioning, you know, yeah. I don't want, this is not going to go to a suburban, uh, part that's of a big city. deal in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so it's going to be downtown, you know, there's a handful um, of credible potential locations and yes, I mean, uh, the former site of the Myriad slash Cox center is um, obviously land we own and, and um, you know, that's, that's, it's not irrational to think that that's obviously part of the discussion, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's not the only place. And so I think we just got to kind of, kind of get through that um knowing that you know trying to commit now is probably not wise or even possible you know the the convention center moved multiple times after the um after the passage of maps 3 so that's kind of the way it usually works here that we still have a little bit of process uh, to go on that but i think we definitely have options and they're all you know all adjacent to to all of our current amenities so the the main reason i wanted to have you on is there's just a lot of talk about just the merit of having a new arena in Oklahoma City. Now, the listeners of our show, I just don't think that this is the audience we're trying to convince. I think they understand the the purpose of a new arena, the fact that the Thunder may not be here if there's not a new arena and getting one here soon. I mean, I, I wouldn't even have this job had the Thunder not be here. So, like, you don't have to convince me that this is right. something that's necessary. But there are people out there that make valid arguments that, and I want to just kind of run through this. So I have three arguments. No, 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 I, I'm, no I would, I would be happy to, to kind of respond, even if it's, and I'll couch it as we're training up our, our champions that are listening to this. Yes. Even if they're already convinced, as you say, they will run into people, um, you know, who, who maybe are unconvinced and yeah, I'm kind of, I mean, look, I've talked about this, not just for the last year, but in a sense, you know, I was the mayor's chief of staff in 2008. I've been mm-hmm. around these conversations for 15 years. Yeah. Um, and and I know I'm inside and out, and uh, and I'm not shy to to explain reality to people. That doesn't mean I can't be empathetic for what they wish the world would be like. But like I sure. have to live in reality. Sure. And uh, I'm and and I'm so I'm fully prepared to help people explain that to others. So let's go. You 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 lay it on me. Let's do it. So we're preparing you. I know it's the beginning of August, but we're preparing you for all your Thanksgiving conversations with with all those uncles that are going to disapprove of this new arena. So argument number one, what would you say to somebody that says our arena is already nice and a new one is just wasteful? <laughs> so, well, uh, that, that functions on two levels. I mean, well, first of all, I think wrapped up in that potentially is um you know is is it worth having these things a major league professional sports team um you know the concerts all the events um and so if your first question is simply you know i don't know that it's worth investing in all of that you know here's what i would say i mean as i kind of alluded to earlier the the arena defines the quality of life of oklahoma city for so many people whether they live here or they don't um and setting aside pro sports for a moment, there's a huge economic impact and also just sort of a quality of life benefit from having an arena that can host all these concerts and all these events. I mean, there's a whole generation of baby boomers who like their whole 
upbringing was defined by the amazing musical acts that played at the Myriad. You know, it mm -hmm. felt like a real city because Queen played there and Led Zeppelin played there and Elvis played there and so on and so on, right? Um, and like, you can't just assume those things happen if you don't have, you know, an appropriate venue. They don't happen if you don't have an appropriate venue. So that's the first step now. And that's that has its own benefits. But obviously, you just go to a whole nother level when you become a major league professional sports city. So you look at the direct impact. There's, you know, we believe off of economic impact reports, $600 million of economic impact each year, 3,000 jobs attributable just to the presence of the team. And I just mean that's like direct stuff. That's like mm -hmm. the team itself, the arena stuff, the the restaurants and hotels, the hospitality around um, around major league professional sports. That is not the indirect stuff, which I think is is probably even larger. Yeah. Look, nobody talks to job creators and national investors about Oklahoma City more than me. And I'm telling you, we I wouldn't even be having those conversations if we didn't have major league professional sports. And it's not that that's like a like an like a conscious box that has to be checked, but it is an implicit and, and unconscious understanding that people don't want to do business, don't think they should be doing business in cities that aren't at that level. Yeah. You know, in America, mm -hmm. your calling card as a city is whether you have a major league professional sports team. It basically differentiates the two types of cities that we have in this country. And the opportunities that we get now um, as a result of having the Thunder are so different than the opportunities we used to have. And they're so different from the opportunities today that cities without a team uh, receive. And, I, you know, I, there's a million different ways I could sum it up. But I think like maybe the most powerful is we we were in the 30s in terms of the ranking of population of our city for like 75 years, 75, 100 years. Hmm. We were somewhere between 31 and 39. Right. For just decade after decade. In the 15 short years since we got the NBA, we jumped from 31st in 2008 to 20th now. Wow. Um, you know, it's like to me, population is sort of the final judgment of your success. You know, and people vote with their feet, you know, where they want to live. Yeah. And I'm sorry, you don't leap from 31st to 20th. Like, I mean, you know, in, in 15 years, that's a... That's like what happens when people discover gold or something, right? Like yeah. that's not <laughs> that's not normal. But we did it because of major league professional sports. So whether you like food, whether you like the arts, um, you know, you name it, there's a trickle down effect to that. Um, there's also a major effect on our financial ability as a city government to help people, you know. And so people might say to me, well, it's not worth it. Um, you know, I'd rather spend that money on homelessness or transit or something else. And I always say, do you remember all the all the match store projects for homelessness and uh, domestic violence and, um, you know, mental health and substance abuse in the 1980s? No, no. Yeah. Well, you don't remember that because we didn't have mm -hmm. the money to do any of that stuff. But we do do that now as of 2019 and with the passage of the one point one billion dollar maps for initiative. We're able to help people at all socioeconomic levels all across the city. And we were never financially able to do that before the arrival of Major League Professional Sports. 
So you want to make you want to you want a strategy to make sure all of that goes away? <laughs> then get rid of major league professional sports. Like when people tell me, no, 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 I don't want to have major league professional sports. I want to focus on this stuff. I'm sorry. I'm, you know what? Major league professional sports is going to take their money with them, and you're not going to get to do that stuff either. You want to help homeless people? You need a major league professional sports team. We have evidence of what a difference that made for us. Uh, over the last 15 years, we're doing things as a city we were never financially able to do before. Um, so I, to me, it's a condition precedent to being able to help all these folks. Um, okay, so that's like the benefits of the team. And it was, also, I didn't even talk about it. I mean, it's just fun to have a team. There's great community, great oh, unity yeah. around it. You know, oh, yeah. it, it rallies us all. We're not divided by our college allegiances, you know. Um, also, there's incredible philanthropy from the team. I mean, they spend millions of dollars and have so much, uh, you know, so many different initiatives going on every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that would go away. Right. So there's another reason why it's worth it. But the final thing on this particular question is I think some people also don't understand that. Uh, I mean, you have to do it to have the team. There's not a there's not another path where um where you get to keep a team in a market this size and not make investment in your arena um it just doesn't it's not it's not going to happen so um you know if people think well the arena is fine um you know i always ask if somebody says that to me i i I always want to say you know like oh which nba team do you own um i would love to have i would love to have them sign a lease down at the arena since you think the arena is fine you know well you just look Um, no further than the history of how the thunder got here and if you know that you don't we are a living embodiment of why why you have to invest in your arena you know, the, the 14th biggest market in the United States still 15 years later does not have a team mm-hmm. um, because of the mistake they made back 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, ironically, they now do have a billion dollar arena, Yep. Um, which, you know, uh, and, and that's a whole nother thing. We can talk about that, about the, the threat of other cities. And that's but that threat is very real. There's 18 metropolitan statistical areas larger than Oklahoma City that don't have an NBA team. Um, and. I'm sorry. Like, you know, there is, I can't find you an NBA team, the Thunder or anyone else who will sign a long-term lease to play at our current arena. The NBA wouldn't even allow them to. I mean, mm-hmm. it's too small, it's too cheap, um, and it's too old. And um, you're not going to sign a long-term lease. Our long-term lease has expired. We are now, you know, we are um, flying without a net right now. We have a very short lease just to talk about this this conversation. I mean, I really need people to understand the stakes, you know, Um if we don't make this commitment um, the day after this vote, like it's chaos. And, and, and my colleagues, my friend mayors and many other of those 18 cities are going to be sending letters to the league and to the team yep. the very next day and making calls. And uh, and we won't have any cards left to play. So, um, no, it's the stakes are very high for for our community. And so um, it's worth it for all of those reasons. Um, I mean, we're we're proposing, you know, potentially to spend, you know, basically the same amount of money that we get in a year and a half in economic impact from the team. Yeah, you know, and it's, and and we're gonna get it. We're gonna secure a commitment that's a generation long, right? So, um, you know, from every metric you could conceivably come up with, it makes all the sense in the world, both on paper and in your heart. You know that that this is what is right for the future of our city. Um, but I understand like people got to talk it through and understand all that. And sometimes they don't know, um, 
I think one of the things is they don't understand how 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 important it is that you make that investment. They think that somehow you can persuade a, an NBA team to play in a subpar arena, and they have other options. They don't they don't have to do that, and they're not going to. Yeah. Okay. Next argument. Yeah. There's not solid These are evidence. Probably going to overlap to some extent. There's but, uh, there's some overlap. Yeah, yeah. There's some overlap in some of these, so we may skip past one of them. But this one I think is okay. is interesting and one that I saw multiple times. There's yeah. not solid evidence that a billion dollar arena is a good return on investment for the city. So what would you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, a lot of what I just said, which is that like, first of all, we have a six hundred million dollar impact to the community every single year. Um, so right there, it, I mean, that's, I want to be clear, that's economic impact to the community. That's not like money directly to the city government's bottom line. Um, we're some fraction of that, obviously, but, um, but you're pulling that $600 million out of the community without a team. And, and instead you could take, you know, let's say, I mean, we don't have, you know, final numbers yet, but let's say it's $900 million. You could take that much money out of the community over, you know, multiple years and then get this commitment that lasts a generation, right? Maybe a couple decades or more. Um, and every one of those years in that couple decades, you're getting back, you know, $600 million impact into your city. Um, just the, just the, like the hard numbers of it, obviously it's, it's a ridiculously good investment for the city. It's like, it's a no brainer, right? You're going to receive it back multiple, multiple times over. And that's, again, not even to say that $600 million is direct economic impact. That's not the the brand and the image and the and the doors that it opens and the the, the impact that um, all of that has on our population and our financial ability to do other things. Um, that's that's many, many, you know, multiples of, of the $600 million. But um, I think there's people, you know, I know there's people who are like, I don't get it. I don't believe it. You know, I don't think it's that big a deal. I've never been to a Thunder game, whatever, <laughs> you know. And again, I, I don't I can I can give you all these data points. And that's about, about the best I can do. If you don't believe it at the end of the day, then then maybe you're just you just didn't want to be, you know, didn't want to be convinced. Um, but but I always think that maybe what the, the one data point I shared earlier is probably the most persuasive. The the sea change in population that we've seen here. Yeah. Um, in the 15 years that the team has been here, it's like, is there some, or can you, can you demonstrate for me what else has changed in the last 15 years um, that would be, you know, that significant? I mean, it really, it really demonstrates the, the, what a, what a change it makes when you move basically into the top tier of American cities, a blue ribbon that is bestowed only upon those who have a major league sports team. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. What would you say to people that bring up that the owners should just pay for the arena themselves? Um, yeah, uh, I would say there is no model for that in a market our size. It has never happened. So why would you think it would happen? You know, like it's it sounds nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish aliens would come and build the arena for us. You know, there's lots of things, <laughs> a lot of fantastical scenarios I could come up with, but there is no model in a market our size, and maybe I should drill down on that so people understand, um, you don't have leverage when you're the 42nd largest market. We are the 20th largest city, and I love to talk about that, but really market size is what, that's what matters to mayors. Market size is what's gonna matter to the NBA. And in that case, we're the third smallest market in the NBA. We're the 42nd nationally, and there, as I've said so many times, but it bears repeating, there are 18 larger markets in the United States that um, some of whom uh, that don't have an NBA team and some of them have an arena already. Mm-hmm. Seattle has a billion dollar arena. Uh, Las Vegas is proposing to build a multi-billion dollar arena. Yep. Um, and some of the other cities on that list, um, and I, I really don't even want to mention their names because I don't want to you know, give them any ideas, but like Google it, you know, I mean, like there, there are phenomenal cities with, you know, other major league teams, um, cities that have a lot of momentum, cities with a lot of buzz around them that do not have NBA teams. Um, and so, you know, it's just it's just so um, unlikely that anyone would forego all of those opportunities for a free arena mm-hmm. <laughs> to pay for one in Oklahoma City. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make any logical sense. No one is going to do that um, because they don't have to. So when people say they should, it really is a moot point. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I you know, it doesn't matter whether they should or they shouldn't. No NBA team is going to do that because they have other options and they literally have options right now that are already built. And so those, those arenas that are already built obviously do not need a financial contribution from a potential NBA yeah. uh, relocation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they already are there. They don't need any money to to make them uh, happen. They are sitting there waiting for an NBA team. So um, again, there's just no model for that. Now, if you're in like 
a top five city. I mean, a top five market, a top 10 market. Um, yeah, different leverage, right? I mean, the uh, the team is uh, is highly unlikely to move out of that market because there's nowhere else they can go that would be better. And so in some, in many of those markets, you are going to find privately funded arenas. Um, but it's like, if, if you think that we're, if the, we're the same story as Los Angeles, you're just not paying attention. Like we are on the fringes of this, you know, yeah. we, it is like a miracle that we have an NBA team. <laughs> and, really you know, we cannot, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there are so many mayors out there right now that, that would just go do anything, you know, to, uh, and their communities would do anything uh, to get an NBA team. And we have one and that's the good news. We don't have to even like thread a needle. I mean, it, it, like we did in 2008, I'm, I'm, I wrote a book about it because a million things had to happen yeah. um, for us to get an NBA team. Now we've got one in hand and all we have to do is what every other city our size has done and what we have done for 100 years. And that's just build a new arena and reinvest and, you know, move forward. And if we do that, the team wants to stay. Of course they want to stay, but you know, they can't break the entire NBA model to stay here and, and play in a, in a small, cheap, you know, aging arena. I mean, it's just, they're not, nobody could do that. And that's a irrational and, and to, to and unreasonable to think that anybody could or would. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think people largely understand the reality of it. And so sometimes the demographic I see is, they never want to let go of the idea that the team should pay. They're, they keep wanting to, they want to say that and they'll never drop that principle. Sure. But all I ask is that they add the qualifier, but I know they won't. Yeah. And so, it, <laughs> and so we got to do, we have to be in the real world and we got to do this. Yeah. Also, I just kind of want my city to have cool stuff. If we had a really like state of the art, cool arena, like would, I think that would just make you more proud of your city overall. Yeah. You know, look, We've had these tax votes for 30 years and they're always contentious, right? But everybody, it always seems like after the thing is built, everybody's proud of it and nobody voted no. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't I don't know anybody, anybody who any no voter who's still grumpy who's like, oh, I'm never going in that beautiful, you know, new convention center. Like, right. no, they they in fact they think they voted for it. Like yeah. it's amazing. But uh no, you're absolutely right. It'll be a huge point of pride for the whole community. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you think people should know about the potential new arena? Have you spoken to Bill Simmons about his comments? <laughs> I, I have not, but listen, like, I mean, if people aren't paying attention to like the national discourse, there's a, there's a guardian article on the same topic from yeah. last week. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, no, the, the sharks are circling, right? Like they're, they're, they, you know, there's people who want our team and, and they're not going to get it if we make the investment, but if we don't, um, yeah, there'll be blood in the water and, uh, we have, uh, we'll see more of that in the next three or four months. And that's okay to, to me because it's like it better, it, it hopefully, um, helps everybody understand, understand the sense of urgency that we have right now. But, um, you know, I think when, I, when I'm thinking about what people say, um, you know, I, the first of all that I hear the most is, is, and I think we touched upon it, well, the arena we have is fine. And, mm -hmm. and the answer to that bottom line is, not to the NBA. And that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like mm -hmm. you may think it's fine, but I said this in my speech, like once we entered that game, we now had to play by a set of rules that we could not dictate. 
and our own subjective opinions no longer mattered. You know, for a long time, we could say, hey, the municipal auditorium was awesome and the myriad is the incomparable myriad. And it didn't matter if anybody thought we were full of it or not, because we didn't really have to compete at this level. But now we're in a hyper competitive environment and our opinions are, are kind of irrelevant at this point. And the judgment is in. There's no persuading anybody when you're at the bottom of every every you know data point relative to arenas. Um, so no, the arena is not fine. It is, it is just yeah. not, and not for NBA standards. Um, so that's one thing that I hear. I think we also hear, um, you know, there's more important things and we kind of touched upon that. And one of my key arguments is, um, yeah, of course there are more important things, um, but you also have to do it all. And also we've learned that we couldn't address those more important things when we didn't have an NBA team. So like mm -hmm. the NBA team and the economic impact of that allows us to address those other things. And I think the last thing I'd say, which I haven't gotten a chance to say today is, look at what we've done in the last five years. We passed a nearly billion dollar initiative for street repairs in 2017. We passed a new sales tax in 2017 to hire 120 more police officers. Last year, this community voted um, to build a new county jail. It also made a billion dollar commitment to Oklahoma City public schools infrastructure. Yep. And then, of course, in 2019, we committed $1.1 billion to all of those human needs and neighborhood needs, quality of life needs in MAPS 4. So it's it's like we've been methodically checking down a list of more important things, you know. And, and, and so, like, don't forget all that. Don't think that, like, everything has to be, uh, you know, every question and every decision um, has to capture everything that is possible that we could ever do. Um, we go one step at a time. And over these last five years, we have executed uh, really a very thoughtful plan, moving down a list of priorities, which has given us, I believe, the opportunity that we can now talk about in ARENA because we've taken care of public safety and education and core infrastructure and human, human needs infrastructure. Um, and now we can talk about the ARENA, which, by the way, economically makes all of that other stuff possible. So, um, so that's another thing we hear. I think we do hear, we also are going to hear like, I just don't like taxes or I just like to vote no against everything. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe for the people who are listening to this podcast, you'll, you'll, you'll learn to identify over time the people that seem to have a infinite number of reasons why they can't vote. No, there's uh, why they can't vote for it. There's always one more, you know, like, okay, I've addressed that. Well, what about this? Well, I've addressed that. Well, what about this? And you begin to finally realize I'm talking to somebody who doesn't know how to vote. Yes. They will never vote. Yes. And so keep in mind that, you know, we don't pass these initiatives with 100%. We've um, we will always have a quarter to a third of the city that's going to vote. No. And so maybe at some point you realize this, this person, um, you know, is not a yes voter. And maybe I should just uh, stop talking, you know, yeah. move on to somebody <laughs> where I can be more productive. Um, there are those folks um, and and they are who they are. And I love them all. I love all my residents. But at the same time, I recognize there's some of them who just are never going to never going to support things. And uh, and this is ultimately a tax. But and I can't believe it's taken us this long to say it. This will not be a tax increase. Yeah, um, this will keep the tax rate where it currently is. So if you have grown used to paying 8.625% on sales tax over the last 25 years in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. you won't pay a, a penny more um, or even a fraction of a penny more to take care of this of this vital economic need. Yeah, that's a huge, city. huge you portion. Just yeah. pay the same amount. And that's probably, we find, probably the most important detail to, to most of our voters. Yeah. Okay, before you go, give us give us some thoughts on the team itself. Just your maybe your overall excitement, 
if you're if you're willing to oh, give yeah. us your, your over under 43 it, and a half, you know. Absolutely. Isn't it funny how when I first started talking about this a year ago, one of the responses I got kind of from more sports centric people was, Ooh, terrible timing. Yeah. You know? I really hate that you gotta be working on this when the team is so bad. Right. And now it's like in a in a in a heartbeat, the oh, team man. is, you know, now it's like, man, you're doing this at a great time with so much buzz around <laughs> right. this, you know, this fast rising team. <laughs> Now I feel like people like you and me knew that all along. I yeah. was I've been pleased about the team's progress basically for every moment of the last five years. You know, like I haven't I haven't had any real moments of of deep concern. I thought the rebuild was handled magnificently. So even a year ago, I was like, I know the team's losing, but I hope you understand. Like, here's what's happening. This is like it's all coming into place really well. Um, but now the team is perceived as winning and is perceived as um being on the rise and that's great but you know you and i we knew that all along but um but yes i'm very i'm very excited and optimistic for what's happening and uh, obviously the national media as well is picking up on it and our local fans are as well and um it's going to be fun to see obviously chet added to this dynamic um and um you're also at a, at a point in the careers of all these young players where they definitely they clearly take steps forward every year so even the team you had last year, even if you didn't add Chet, you'd have a better team this year because oh, yeah. you're just they're, they're, they, the experience they're gaining is is pretty dramatic right now. But you're adding Chet and getting to see like um, you know him as a rim protector, even just in summer league, was so mm. um, so refreshing. And I know there's people like, oh, he's going to get backed down by you know Giannis. Everybody get backed down <laughs> yeah. by Giannis. I mean, yeah. like it's not. Yeah, <laughs> like that's not. You know, yes, of course, there are players to, you know, there are great superstar, you know, uh, NBA all-star players that he will he will be challenged by. But so is everyone else. You know, so um, but 90 percent of the time he's going to be uh, a really uh, important defensive force there in the lane. And uh, and and just to see everybody else continue to raise their game. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited and optimistic for the for the next few years ahead. And uh Yet another reason, you know, you don't want this, you don't want this team on the rise to to be forced out of our city. So, yeah. um, but, you know, also we have an opportunity here to secure this team for so long that, um, you know, we're going to get to see the version of this team after this one and after that one and after that one yeah. and after that one. I mean, this is a decision that's really generational and we have an opportunity here to preserve our relationship with the thunder and with major league professional sports truly for a generation as i said in my state of the city the lease we will secure in exchange for this new arena will exceed the length of the first one and the first one is 15 years and and we will get a i, I can't tell you the number yet we're not quite finalized but um but it's going to be significant and and it will be generational and that's um that's a really cool opportunity for our city to get to see this team in all its glory but to see all the teams that lie ahead yeah yeah, for me, I've got, I've got three young boys, and you know, when I was their age, I couldn't even fathom. I I didn't even go to an NBA game until I was like in my twenties, and so like I yeah. just. Did you grow up in Oklahoma City? I did. Yeah. 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 Different world. Yeah. Yeah, and so for them to be able to grow up in a city that has an NBA team and already had like opportunities to like go to lots of games and meet players and everything, I think it's just amazing, and I want them to have that for their kids and like that to continue on. So. To me, this is an easy yes, and also I, I hope that people can take what Mayor Holt has said today and really go out and talk to people about it. Like, make sure that people understand what really is at stake. 
here because it is it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Even if you don't love the NBA, it's a big deal for right. you. So, uh, Merholt, thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you so much for just all you do for Oklahoma City. We appreciate you. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, we'll have a final deal by the end of summer and uh, we'll call an election by the end of the year. And so, yes, the next five or six months are critical. And uh, always feel free, you and your listeners, feel free to reach out to me via the many, many methods uh, that one can do that uh, if you have any questions or need any any help. But uh, yeah, we would love for everybody listening to this to be a champion for this and to be part of um, building this legacy that we, I think, have an opportunity to leave our kids and our grandkids. Yeah. Thank you, Mayor Holt.